You're now listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. Today I got to talk with a plumber, his name is Evan, and in this interview it is a bit weird because I am sick, so uh, I am asking questions and stuff, but there may be like some sniffles or some, you know, low monotone questions because I was a bit sick when I was interviewing him, but now I'm feeling better and this interview is still great because Evan has a really great way with words and telling stories and he's really good at explaining what it's like being a plumber and what that job really entails. So without further ado, here is the episode. The first question that I usually ask is, what is your job title? Uh, I believe technically it's service technician. Um so in California, unlike many states, not all, but many, uh, each individual plumber does not need their own license. The license is only something the business needs to have, and only one person at the entire business needs to have a license. So everyone else is just service technicians. Um, if you're in the service world, uh, in the new construction world, you're going to have you know, apprentices, journeymen, foremen, that kind of stuff. So that is my technical title, although almost everyone just calls me a plumber. Mm -hmm. So what would you say your job description is? Like, what do you do? Oh, I am a commercial service plumber specifically, so I do everything at this point. Um, I do drain cleaning, anything from stuff like your basic, your bathroom sink drains slow. Uh, all the way up to, hey, I've got the main for an entire school or I've got an entire complex, apartment complex with 15 buildings that's backed up and the main for that has to be cleared out. I do all that kind of stuff. Water lines, again, from your smallest, you know, you've got half inch or even a three-eighths inch small little water line leaking up to, oh, I've got a four inch, a six inch, an eight inch. Uh, shoot, we actually just recently replaced a couple of 16 inch valves which are massive um and every now and again we'll we'll work on some water piping that if you saw it laying around our yard you would think oh that's what they make water slides out of because it's that kind of size um so we we really do everything which is why i switched from working when i was ready to change companies i moved from a company that like most of them do primarily residential service working for homeowners and a little bit of commercial working for the occasional restaurant, uh, retail storefront, HOA, but still most service plumbing companies really focus in on that residential market. And I wanted to change a pace to something that would be more of a challenge. So I switched over to the commercial side. That's the path I followed. Um, I know a lot of guys who still work residential. They love it. They're good at it. And that's what they stick with. And while I was good at it, I needed a new challenge because that's what keeps me going. Um, I'm the type of guy who really enjoys those job sites that, that take a lot more figuring out, um, which working commercial service, especially for the company I work for, the reputation we've built up in our area, means that when somebody's hired two, three, four other companies and they still, they've spent thousands of dollars and the problem still persists. We're the ones they call. 
Um, and sometimes that's even technically out of our service area. So we tell them, hey, look, we're going to have to charge you a bunch extra because we're sending a guy an hour further away than we normally do. So, but they're once they've spent already three, four, five thousand dollars, and the problem isn't fixed, they're okay with spending a few hundred extra bucks sending me out of my service area to to diagnose and solve their problem for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. And how long have you been working as a plumber? Oh. Uh, took a couple br- short breaks here and there, so fifteen or sixteen years at this point. Um, mm. Just completely fell into the trade backwards at eighteen, and mm-hmm. I've been doing it ever since. Yeah. So, how did you first get introduced into the trades? Well, um, in a way that doesn't quite exist anymore, although there are parallels. Um, when I was 15 and a half, 16, right in there. I tested out of high school and started going to college. Um, I hit 18. I was very close to graduating, but I wanted to take a break. I'd never had a job in my life. Not not a summer job, not a weekend job, nothing. I had never worked. And I thought, you know what? Before I really decide on what's my four-year major going to be, what's my career path going to be, because I was debating several different options. I thought, you know, I really have to see what working is all about. So my my smart plan was take a semester off, work some job, save up money, party through the summer with my friends, and then go back, you know, with renewed dedication and, and hopefully having figured out what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, and I saw that in the newspaper, which for people my age and older, that was how we got our first jobs because there was, that was where your typical entry level positions were found. Um, these days that would be, I suppose, something like, uh, looking on indeed or monster or one of those kind of sites. Um, but back then it was just add in the newspaper and it said, uh, something along the lines of you can make up to $4,000 a month within six months. You just have to have your own truck. Um, we train, we provide the important tools. And so I thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm not going to stay there for six months, but I'll go try this out, this plumber thing. And then I worked there for about five years. So when I started doing the workout in the field, something clicked. Um, I just realized that there's an immense satisfaction for me when I take something that's broken and I fix it and getting that tangible, tangible result it really keeps me going and it really intrigued me Um, in a way that some of the stuff I was studying in school, while I was certainly good at it, it didn't give me that fulfillment, that satisfaction level. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that for a lot of guys, honestly, your common path into plumbing for most guys is sort of falling into it backwards. Unless you have, a father, a grandfather, an uncle, something like that, who was a plumber, you probably didn't start when you were 18. The majority of guys I know, they bummed around other trades. Maybe they were in the military for a little while. Maybe they worked retail. Um, I know a lot of guys who, oh, I used to paint houses. I used to do drywall. Uh, One of my coworkers who is an amazing plumber, 
he had worked as a security guard for five years before he got into the trade. And it was the same thing. He just saw an ad in the paper one day while he was having his morning coffee and thought, you know what? I'm tired of this security guard thing. They're saying I can make more money doing this plumbing thing. I'll give it a try. So that is at least in California, in my area, the common way to get into it. Um, You go into other parts of the country and certainly other parts of the world, there's different options available, but we don't really have trade high schools that are common in a lot of parts of the world and certainly still exist to a certain extent in other parts of the country. Um, There was no, at my high school I went to, there was no metal shop, there was no wood shop, there was no auto shop. There was nothing you could do with your hands. So that's why a lot of people don't go into the trades because we don't even think of it. Um, when I was growing up, I was always told, of course, you know, you got to go to college if you want to live a good life. You want a decent job, you got to go to college. Work smart, not hard. It never occurred to me that, hey, there's these blue collar jobs where you can make very good money and they don't require all this further education in the traditional high school to college um, to graduate school, et cetera, kind of career path. There's still training options. Certainly there's trade schools um, and you can go that route, but it's not quite that traditional path because of course, when you're going to the trade school, whether you're going because you're in the union and the union is sending you, or you're going to the non-union equivalent, you're still working a full-time job. You're working 40 hours a week, sometimes more, sometimes 60, sometimes 80. And then you're going to school. So you're, you're getting both sides. You're learning in the school the why and a little bit of the how, but mostly the why we do things. And then in the field, you're doing them. So you're getting both sides of the equation simultaneously, um, which is a great way to learn it. Yeah, and I've heard that sentiment a lot that if you work in the trades, because I've interviewed a lot of tradesmen too, and it's a well-paid job and it requires an apprenticeship, like what you said, and then you can learn while also working in the field. And I think that that's a really interesting because we're always told that we should only go to college exactly. and that exactly. that's the only thing we can do. But there's a lot of other different paths and i think it just is different for everybody what they should do according to them so some people maybe college is the right thing for them and another other people maybe they should do an apprenticeship or something like that. exactly the way i look at it is figure out a way my goal was always not i want to do xyz for a living it was i want to figure out and for me not even really to be rich but i want to figure out how to make enough money to be able to have a wife have kids, you know, the, the white picket fence, you know, have my own property, have the American, what I think of as the American dream, you know, just a comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I've, thankfully I've managed to do that. Um, even doing what I'm doing, I could make more, but it would come at a cost. Um, it would come at a cost mm-hmm. of time at home. So I know plumbers, both service construct service and new construction plumbers who make more than me. Um, but a big, and they don't necessarily know more than me, but they're willing to work a lot of those after hours jobs, those weekend jobs. Um, they certainly pay a lot more, but then you don't get that time at home. Um, and mm-hmm. thankfully I've managed to 
to work my way up and to continually increase my knowledge level. And of course, if you continually increase your knowledge level, um, most bosses are going to continually increase your pay. Um, and I've managed to do that to the point where I don't have to work all those extra hours to make, to make ends meet, to be able to pay all my bills, you know, pay my mortgage, pay for the kids' daycare, and still put money in the bank at the end of the day. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I want to go, go to a different topic now and okay. ask more about your daily schedule mm-hmm. and what that's kind of like. Um, so from like the morning to like the end of the work day, what are the different things that you do in a day? So my typical day, um, which and I know it's a cliche, probably just about everyone says, oh, there is no typical day. Um, but they, and, and there isn't because I might do something uh, on Monday and then not touch that type of project, that type of problem again for a month or multiple months. Or I might do it five times that week. But typical day, I wake up, I get ready, you know, shower, get dressed, all that kind of stuff. And I look at my tablet. So we have work tablets. All of our dispatching is done through there. All of my typing up notes, reports, um, taking pictures of job site conditions, all that's done through the tablet. So I fire that up. I look at what I'm doing for the day. Um, And I'll do that if I need to leave my house at 7.30 to get to my shop at 8, which that's our normal start time. Um, I'll look at that at 7.15. And I'll see, okay, what am I doing today? Because I'm already thinking, well, if there's something in the town I live in, I'm going to that and I'll go to the shop later. I'm not, I'm not going to drive out of my town to the shop just to be there in first thing in the morning and then go back to the town I live in. So I'll look at that. I'll figure out, okay, here's my calls for the day. Um, and those, that's the part that varies widely and no two days are exactly the same. You know, I, it could be, oh, you're spending all day supervising a dip, dig site, or it could be you're dealing with simple drain calls all day or simple water leaks, stuff like that. Um, so I look at what I'm doing, figure out what I'm going to need to gather as far as materials to get through all my jobs and also start just in general planning out my day. So if there's my first job is five miles from my house and I don't need materials, my second job is 20 miles from my house. I'm going to be thinking, okay, where can I stop on the way between when I leave my house and when I need to get to that second job? Where can I stop the materials? Because it looks like I'm going to need a couple of different parts. Um, so I sort of plan that out and plan out my day. Um, if any of the jobs are jobs where I'm following behind other coworkers and their notes aren't quite adequate, that's when I start calling them to find out, hey, what went on on this job? Your notes are a little bit vague. They aren't quite up to up to the level I need to figure out what I am doing today. Um, or if it's something where we get a lot where they've sent over a report from another company and maybe my office forgot to attach that report to the call we generated in our system. So I have to call my office and say, hey, can you attach that report? I want to see what I'm going to be up against today. Um, so that I do that first thing, and then I go out and run my calls. Um, and that's the part, like I said, there is no typical day, especially doing what we do. Uh, back when I worked residential, it was much more more predictable because you had a narrower range of what your typical calls were going to be. You know, backed up toilets, water heater issues, drain line issues, water leaks. 
um, with the majority of them. Yeah, the, the occasional, oh, I've got a gas line leak. <clears throat> Excuse me. I've got a gas line leak or uh, I want to run a new gas line for something. So they, that's the, the variety part of my day is after I've left the house, I start running my call. Um, mm-hmm. And then the end of the day, it also depends on the situation. Um, usually at some point during the day, I try to swing by the office and drop off my paperwork from the day before because while all of my notes are written up in the system, there is still paperwork that's generated. I get receipts from my vendors when I go to buy stuff. Uh, I fill out a daily time card, uh, which jobs I went to, how many hours on each job, et cetera, stuff like that. So I try to get that over to them once a day. doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's three or four or a whole week. work week goes by before they get that paperwork, but I make the effort. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, then I just head home. Um, I'm lucky that the company I work for, we drive, we're allowed to drive our work vehicles home if we care to which is great because it saves a whole bunch of hours running and gas money on my personal vehicle. Um, so then I just head home and start taking care of stuff there at the house. Um, the only exception would be Thursdays, which is when I teach at the local trade school. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. It's just my way of giving back because ultimately I, I realized that I went through the local trade school, um, that was after I'd already been in the trade for about six years, which is pretty uncommon. Uh, that's very far into the trade to be before starting at the school. But I, my thought was, you know what? The way I learned the majority of the stuff I learned through the years was from guys with more experience, taking time out of the, their day, taking time out of their evening that they didn't have to, and teaching me mm-hmm. things. So when I was given the opportunity for that, while I've always done that with my coworkers, when I was given the opportunity to do that with a wider variety of guys, I jumped all over it mm-hmm. uh, just as a way mm-hmm. to Because ultimately we are, it's looking like we might be better in five to ten years, uh, but we are in a, still in a pretty severe shortage of experienced plumbers in my area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just the, the people my age, in their 30s to, I would say, really late 20s to early 40s. Um, we just didn't have many of them going to the trades when they were younger. So there's mm-hmm. not a lot of guys that are really experienced in that age range. Um, you have a lot of guys who are older, and now we're having also a lot of guys who are younger. Uh, but you're still, you've, you've got that big gap. And certainly there's mm-hmm. still, there's way more work than we can get done. Um, we turn away a huge percentage of the calls that come in just because we can't. Oh, wow. There's, the manpower just isn't there. Um, uh-huh. And this is true. I know guys who own at least a dozen different plumbing companies, and they have the same problem. Um, pretty much if you you don't even have to be great at customer service, if you own a company and they can at least get work done and it doesn't have problems you're gonna right now you're too busy um you you're turning away work because there's just so much work to be had and there's not enough to do the work mm-hmm. so what if there's like a teenager out there that's listening to this right now and wants to get into this job what's your advice for them to start and how can they be successful in this field um i would say first they need to think about what they want to 
do in the trade, and they won't necessarily know. Um, if you're going to, if you want to work on the new construction side, which is cleaner but harder work generally, um, a much bigger percentage of your day is spent actually doing work, digging trenches, lugging pipe around, all that kind of stuff on new construction than it is service. Um, but you don't have to deal with backed up toilets and other people's waste. Um, you, you won't be handling, you know, foreign objects that were flushed down a sewer God knows how long ago and have been <laughs> marinated. Um, so, and they, you don't get sort of that every day, I took it from broke to fixed, uh, endorphin hit, but you do get the, mm-hmm. look at this building, that building has plumbing because of me um, kind of satisfaction. So it's much longer projects. So make that decision. Then you have to think about, okay, do I want to go for a union company or a non-union company? And depending on the area, there might not be a lot of option. It might be most or all of the companies are union or most or all of the companies are non-union. But then you just call up, call up companies. Um, If you decide you want to go union, call up the union. Ask them what you need to do. Um, What kind of, you know, pre-screening tests what can you do to set yourself apart from other people who are going to be applying to to join and then just give it a try um if you don't like it Mm -hmm. there's other parts of the trade there's new construction there's service there's also areas where we overlap with other trades if you get into uh, mechanical systems so the people who work on hvac systems so heaters and air conditioners well they also work on boilers certain certain boilers, but so can plumbers. Um, And a lot of times you get into those specialties and you can make a lot more money. Um, Even working for someone else, you can make a lot more money. If you're good at that super specialized stuff, uh, then Mm -hmm. you would be able to make as a generalist. So, but the the biggest thing is just give it a try. Um, Don't be afraid to get dirty. You will. Um, Certainly still work safe. If you ever feel like you're not working safe, stop, ask the guy in charge of the project, you know, hey, this seems like it's unsafe because of X, Y, Z. Am I wrong there? What do I not understand? Because maybe there's something you don't understand. They Maybe they're, and if they can't explain why it's not unsafe, then that's a red flag. Um, and maybe you need to think about finding a different place to work. But the biggest thing is if you can just call up companies you can interview well. Um, you know that, especially when you're first starting out, you need to be the guy that shows up 10 minutes early, 15 minutes early, before start time. Um, you'll get to the point where you're in my position eventually, where I could, I, I try not to, but I could show up 15 minutes late every day and no one would blink an eye. But when you're first starting out, you're not that guy. So you want to be the go-getter. You want to be the guy that people want to work with. So when you ask a question, listen to the answer. Most of the experienced guys are very, very happy to answer questions. But we don't like answering the same questions two, three, four, five times. So listen to the answer. And if you don't understand the answer, ask about the part you don't understand right then. Don't wait 10 minutes and ask the same question again. I mean, if you can just do that, those few things, work hard, show up a little bit early, 
ask questions, listen to the answer, you'll succeed. Um, it's while you, you know, the, the sort of stereotype of all blue collar workers, all tradesmen being stupid is definitely not true. You don't have to be the smartest guy in every room you walk into to be successful as a plumber. Now, the smarter guy is going to generally be more successful, but I know several guys who are n- not terribly gifted <laughs> intelligently. I mean, they're, they're wonderful guys. They're hard workers, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they're making one hundred and fifty to 200000 a year. Mm-hmm. And that's great. I'm thrilled for them. You know, they work hard. They've put a lot of effort, a lot more than someone like me has had to put into learning this stuff. And they go out there and apply it, and they make great money. Um, so it, it's mm-hmm. definitely possible across all levels of intelligence, you know, any, any sort of, no matter what kind of background you can't come from. Um, I have coworkers who grew up basically in the projects. I have coworkers who grew up in upper middle class suburbs. Um, mm-hmm. So long as you're willing to put in the work and put in the effort, doesn't matter where you come from. Um, race, race, class, creed, none of that matters. What matters is the willingness to get out there and work. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing that every company I know is looking for. Hmm. I think we're nearing the end okay. of the interview and that's a lot of great stuff that you just said. So I kind of want to shift it. Um, now we're nearing the end. Mm-hmm. What are some, you know, fun experiences or unique experiences that you've had being a plumber that you might want to share? There have been a lot of them. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> the the ones that stick out the most, of course, are are funny for me to tell other plumbers. They're not generally as funny to the general public because they're so gross. Uh-huh. Um, because oh. <laughs> there have been a lot of changes in safety regulations since I first started in the trade. Um, when I first started in the trade, we would regularly expose ourselves to situations where nowadays, if I tried that, I would be fired. Um, uh-huh. So I, I've been... You know, I, I've been in the situation where the crawl space was flooded, and it wasn't with water. It was with waste. Um, and I was down there, and it worked. You know, that that was just the normal when I first started in the trade. Um, thankfully, like I said, not the normal anymore. If I went into a crawl space uh-huh. with waste in it like that, these days, I would be fired before I got out of the crawl space. <laughs> so it, it's not something that happens anymore. Um but I, I have gotten to see a lot of cool things. I mean, I've been inside one of the local sports stadiums um, for that services professional NFL team. Um, I've been there. I've been in the local baseball stadium. Um, I've worked at about every hospital and school in my area. Um, so I've got to go in a lot of really neat places. I mean, not not everyone can say, Oh yeah, you know I'm I'm a fan of the local baseball team, and I've also been on the field. You know, but mm-hmm. but someone mm-hmm. in my position can say, not only have I been on the field, I've dug up the field and repaired it. <laughs> I've repaired stuff there on game day, so I was under a time crunch. I had to get oh, wow. it repaired and backfilled and compacted and everything so that there could be a game wow. that night. Uh, so, uh-huh. Yeah, it's <laughs> wow. So there's a lot of 
meet experiences. Um, I've gotten to meet, uh, and this is, again, partially because of the area I live in. Like I said, there's local professional baseball and football teams. Um, I've gotten to meet a lot of professional athletes working in their home. And it's, it's, that's been a really neat experience for me because even if they were guys that wow. I didn't follow closely and I wasn't fans of the team or huge fans of them or whatever, it's neat mm-hmm. to interact with them on that level because that's when you talk to the football player. You know, you're dealing with this famous football player in this wonderful house and you're chatting with him and, and he drops the bomb that, yeah, I don't wow. even really like football. I'm just good at it. Wow. The, the sport what? he loves is baseball or the sport he loves is basketball, but he's good at football. So if they're going to pay him oh, that wow. kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, it's, you get to have a lot of neat experiences. Um, you get to see unusual stuff. You're going in the back corridors of, like I said, sports stadiums, office buildings, malls, all that kind of stuff. Hospitals even. Um, which is good and bad. It, it really does open your eyes to sometimes mm-hmm. how barely everything is held together um, to keep stuff mm-hmm. working. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, a, if you like seeing stuff that not everyone gets to see, it is a great opportunity. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is something mm-hmm. that you get to do. And this isn't just unique to plumbing. If you're an electrician, it would be the same thing, where you get to see people in ways they're not normally seen, and you get to go places and see places in ways they're not normally seen. So that's the the neatest stuff. Um, you know, the the other stuff. Like I said, I've got a thousand stories. We could fill a few hours with me just talking about uh-huh. crazy jobs that went crazy, jobs that were nasty, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I mm-hmm. I have found that most plumbers are or most non plumbers are a little more, bit more squeamish about. You know, oh, yeah, so this fence company was using an auger bit, and they hit a forced main, so it's a pressurized sewer line, and, man, that sewage was shooting 15 feet out of the ground. When you're talking about (laughs) that kind of stuff, you know, to another plumber, it's it's funny because we've all seen stuff like that, and this is just a more extreme version of it. Uh, But Mm -hmm. the idea of a a poo fountain is a little bit less appealing (laughs) to (laughs) even to new construction uh, plumbers because they tend to get a lot. Like I said, they they don't work with this that kind of stuff nearly as often. They're a little bit more squeamish Uh about it. Yeah. So yeah, that was great. And my last question is: What do you think you're going to be doing in the future? Are you just going to be continuing with? Um, your position that you currently have or like what's the plans for the future um at some point i'll I'll probably move into a supervisor role um or an inspector role it's i've always planned on if i'm still you know back when i was 18 19 20 my thought was if i'm still working as a plumber when i'm 50 i need to find a way to not be the one kicking the shovel um, which I've already succeeded at that. I, I barely ever touch a shovel anymore. Um, uh-huh. And I'm in my 30s, nowhere near 50. Exactly. Uh, because when you look, when I looked at the guys who were in their 50s and who were still kicking a shovel because they hadn't bothered to train up and learn and educate themselves, those were the guys whose bodies were really falling apart. So my plan has always been, okay, move into a supervisor role or or at least a site foreman role where I'm telling other guys what to do, I'm supervising what they do, or I'm organizing 
in that foreman or service manager role, I'm organizing what the entire company's worth of technician does. Um, so that that's where I plan to be in the future, um, probably within the next 10 years, yeah. All right. So that was what a plumber does. Thank you so much, Evan, for coming on to the no podcast problem. talking about what you do. That was really great and you know you shared some great experiences but you also gave a lot of great advice to teenagers that may want to get into this field and i really appreciate your insight into this you have a great way with words and how you just tell stories it's amazing so thank you so much for coming onto the podcast of course all right well you have a, a great rest of your day Thanks for listening to the Major Jobs Podcast. If you liked it, please be sure to follow us on Instagram at Major Jobs Podcast. If you have an interesting career and want to be featured on the show, send us an email at majorjobspodcast at gmail.com with your job title and college major if applicable. Again, thanks for listening. And remember, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not.